The ninth lesson, uh, the Apostle John relates the miracle of the incarnation in the profound and poetic words that open his gospel. The word was made flesh, and we have seen his glory. And so hear now God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible, life-giving word. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. And it's absolutely true, and it's given to us in love for our good. Now, I want to say a few words about two of those verses I just read to you, verses uh, four, four and five. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, in verses four and five, John presents us with three themes that are important for understanding Christmas and, and really understanding all of Christianity, understanding Christ, understanding who Jesus is and why he came. And so in these three themes uh, form our three main points tonight, our three headings, our outline. And so the themes are life, darkness, and light. So life, darkness, and light. So first, life. We see in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so the, the noun life or the related verb life show up, I believe, uh, 50 times, over 50 times in the 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. So, so life is a common theme all throughout John's Gospel. And so and that, and this word life is, is really loaded with a lot of important meaning. It means lots of things, often all at the same time. You know, I, I'm focusing on verses 4 and 5, but, but verse 3 we read, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So the sense in which, you know, that in him was life, I mean, is speaking of physical or biological life. That all things were made through Christ. But there's more than that in the Gospel of John, that, that life doesn't only mean physical life, biological life. It also means spiritual life. For example, in John 20, verses 30 and 31, which is really the really the, the thesis of, of the Gospel of John, it says, 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, so John I mean, was speaking about people who already had physical life, biological life. Their, their hearts were beating, their, their lungs were pumping air. But John's point is that not everyone who has physical life has spiritual life, has spiritual life in Christ's name. Now, in other places in John, this, this spiritual life is, is also referred to as eternal life. For example, in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And whenever John speaks about eternal life, he's talking about quantity and quality. Quantity, eternal life that begins now. Eternal spiritual life that begins now and goes on forever. To the future, to eternity, eternal life. But he also means quality of life. You know, real life. Satisfying life, life to the full. The abundant life that Jesus speaks about in John 10.10 whenever he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So in our text, in John 1.4, we read, in Jesus is life. And Jesus says that the life he offers, it's spiritual, it's eternal, it's abundant. It, it's, it's life marked by a richness and a satisfaction that is unknown and uncommon to people who do not know Jesus by faith. Uh, the, the atheist philosopher John Paul Sartre once said, there comes a time when one asks, even of Shakespeare, even of Beethoven, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Tom Brady, many of you guys have heard of Tom Brady. Um, I think he's won uh, 10,000 Super Bowl rings at this point. Um, but a long time ago, a long time ago, whenever he had only won three, uh, he's actually won seven, but whenever he'd only won three, um, he, had, he gave this interview. And he says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still feel like there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I've reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. And he was asked, well, what do you think that more is? And his answer is, I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. You know, is that all there is? There's got to be more than this. Well, what about you? What about you this, this Christmas Eve night? Can you relate to that? Have you thought there, there must be more than li to life than this? I mean, have, have you ever wanted something and then, and then gained that something, only that that's something that everyone said would make you happy? That, some, that everyone said, once you get this, then you're going to be fulfilled. And it, had, it gave you all of these promises. Okay, that this thing was finally going to live up to the hype. It was going to live up to the billing. That it would be enough. Have you ever wanted that? Have you ever, you know, tried to get that, to attain that, and then when you have it, you're really crushed by how quickly 
the joy and the excitement, the exhilaration, the satisfaction, the contentment, the happiness fades. You know, the, uh, many of you who come to this church, you know a little bit about my story that I did not grow up in a Christian home, that I became a Christian in college. And um, the night that I became a Christian in college, uh, another student had come to my dorm room. And he was trying to, to tell me about Jesus. And, and I, was, I was very quick to try to dismiss him and, and push him away and let him know, listen, I, I don't want to talk about Jesus. I know I'm not a good person. I know I'm not a good guy. I know if I die tonight, I'll go to hell. I don't want to talk about this stuff. But one of the things that he, one of the questions he asked me that, that kept the question, the, the conversation going was, he said, Richard, are you satisfied with your life? Now, and I thought about that, and I, really, I, I knew enough to know, okay, I hadn't really lived that long, and, and uh, surely things are going to be better than what I've experienced so far. But, uh, but I thought about it, I said, if I'm honest, the answer is no, not even close. You know, I, I'd, never, I'd never heard of, really thought about those, those quotes that I read to you earlier about, you know, is that all there is, or there's got to be more than this. But, but I told my friend that night, I said, listen, I said, if I'm honest, I'm really, I find life to be boring. That all throughout my life, I've tried to create my own sense of purpose, my own sense of meaning. I've tried to, I've set these goals and I've tried to uh, uh, achieve things, accomplish things, and for the most part I have, but everything that I finally get, that I work really hard for, I find it to be flimsy and frail and thin and honestly boring and empty, disappointing. I never put words to it, but I had this unnamed desire for something more. Something really I'd carried around my whole life, this desire of wanting more, of wanting a greater purpose for my life than to simply make good grades, to make money, to have people like me, to consume new experiences. I also desperately wanted to to stop hurting the people around me, the people who I was supposed to love the best. To stop being selfish, stop hurting them, wounding them with, with my words and my actions. You know, friends, I, I, wanted, I wanted what Jesus offers. I, I wanted life. I wanted abundant life, life to the full, the life Jesus offers. Do you want that? See, the, the, first, the first heading is, is life. And my guess is abundant life, eternal life, sounds good to us. But, but there's a problem. To the second heading is darkness. And so look again at John 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, that's the problem. There's darkness. So how do we how we understand this darkness? Well, I think there's a, a few things to say about it. First, you know, darkness is is all around us, and I think that we would all agree with that, right? The the, the world the world's a dark place. I mean, the world's not as bad as it could be, thank God, but the world's a dark place. It's a, world, it's a dark place out there. It's filled with with evil, untold suffering and violence, injustice, the abuse of power, racism, classism, greed, homelessness. Refugees fleeing oppression, families falling apart, families being ripped apart, women and children enslaved and trafficked like merchandise. There's a dark world out there. 
But you know, and I, I hope you, if we, we can be honest, and I hope we'll be honest. Let's be honest tonight. It's not just that the world's a dark place out there. It's also dark in here. And let's be even more honest. Not just in here, it's, it's, it's dark in here. Darkness comes from sinful people living and walking in darkness. Now, now I know that that, that that word sin, that's not a word that we tend to use in our everyday language. I get that. I mean, listen, I don't even use it that often outside of, outside of you know, whenever I'm dressed like this and I'm in this room and doing this kind of a thing. But, but here's the thing. I, I, know, I know that we all, every one of us, no matter how often you come to a church like this, we all understand sin. I know we do. We, every one of us understands that there are things that we say and that we do and that we desire, that we regret, we're ashamed of, we feel guilty about. And we feel that way because, on the one, it's, it's, it's in rebellion against our Creator and His Word, but also we see how it hurts and it wounds the people in our lives, even as, and especially those people that we're supposed to love best. And we know how the things that that they say and that they think and that they desire and that they want hurt us and wound us. We we feel the sting of that. And I know we do, because even if I don't know you, I know that that you have the same superpower, the same spiritual gift that I have, and that's the ability to be able to say, you know what, they shouldn't have done that. Right? That was wrong. That's, that was selfish, that was unjust, that's unfair, that's against the rules. Right? That was wrong. We can, we can point it out in other people. So I know we understand what sin is. See, the darkness is John's word for the, the complex combination of the thoughts and the attitudes and the actions which characterize our sinful hearts. You know, dark hearts that are naturally, apart from, from God's grace in Christ, hardened toward God and his word and his church. To the darkness John speaks of is is every time we seek to find life apart from God and his word. I mean, that's how the darkness of sin first entered the world in the Garden of Eden. Right, Adam and Eve, believing that true life could be found, not in trusting God, not in trusting his word, but in rebelling against his word, going their own way, Therefore, the world is dark. It's dark because of sin. It's dark because of our sin. But there's even more to understanding darkness. You see, darkness refers to not only sin out there and sin in here, but also our ignorance and our inability to fix our own hearts and to fix the world around us. Right? The world's in the dark because no person knows how to fix their own heart and stop sinning. Right? We try, we try, and we try. We try as hard as we can. Right, we make promises. Okay, I'll be better next time. I'll, I'll, I'll not do that again. You know, we make, in, in the next week, we're going to make all these resolutions. And I hope you make them and keep them, but, but you're not going to. But we, we make them, and we, we try really hard. We try really hard to turn over a new leaf all the time, all the time. But Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 7 that the real problem with our sin is that our sin is not just in, in what we say, and not just in what we do, he tells us that in Mark 7 that our sin comes from our hearts. And so the problem is that we cannot change our own hearts. We can't perform this spiritual heart 
transplant on ourselves. You see, the world's in the dark because no human philosophy or culture knows how to cure and end all of this evil and suffering created by our dark and sinful hearts. You see, friends, it doesn't matter how, how many times the Western culture, the American culture keeps telling us, you know, the meaning of Christmas is, you know, that, that love and kindness will triumph if we, we, we all work together for a world of unity and peace because we, within ourselves, have enough resources to get rid of the darkness. But I think if we're honest, I hope we'll be honest, we know that's not true. The world's not moving in some progressive way in, in terms of progress and getting better. Things are only getting worse. And if this is all it takes is for us just to try really hard and be sweet and nice and fix things, then, then what are we waiting for? You see, what we're waiting for is we need the light. You see, how do you get rid of darkness? Only light dispels darkness. And the light we desperately need entered space and time, took on human flesh on that first Christmas. The light of the world. That's our third heading, the light. See, John tells us that Jesus is the light our world and our hearts need. And so listen again to verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so look, look closely at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. And if you're familiar with how, how the Bible begins... I hope you'll notice an echo there from, from Genesis chapter 1. So let me read it to you. Genesis 1, verses 1 to 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. So God spoke into the original darkness to bring the needed light. But then this continues to echo throughout the Bible. So let me remind you of some of the things you've already heard tonight. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said to the people of God who were looking forward to and longing for the light of the world to come. As he, as, as he spoke of the future Savior in Isaiah 9-2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Then a few verses later, Isaiah is more specific in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, just as God spoke his, world, his words into the original darkness of this world at creation to bring the needed light, God sent the Word who became flesh into the darkness of this world at that first Christmas to bring the light we need, to be the light we need. The light of the world came to us in the form of a baby boy who grew up into a man who would live, die, and rise from the grave to purchase forgiveness, to secure our salvation, to give us life, eternal and abundant life for anyone and everyone who will trust in him. Stop trusting in, in your own best efforts to be good enough. Stop hoping that as long as you can be a little bit nicer and have your good outweigh your bad, then somehow you know, God's going to grade on a curve and your good works will redeem your bad works. That's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is that we need righteousness. And we do not have this righteousness in and of ourselves. It comes from Christ. So trust him. And his death on the cross, his shed blood, will wash away your sins, cancel your sin debt, 
He'll forgive you. He'll make you clean. Trust in him and his righteous life will be gifted to you. He'll not only wash you clean in his blood, but he'll clothe you in his righteousness. You see, the message and the meaning of Christmas is not, hey, we're all basically decent people and we can fix things if we try hard enough. Because we aren't and we can't. But the message of Christmas is also not all is meaningless and hopeless. You see, the message of Christmas is things really are this bad. We really are walking in deep darkness and we can't heal ourselves, fix ourselves, cure ourselves, save ourselves. We've tried and we can't stop saying, thinking, doing these things that we regret and that we're ashamed of. But there is hope because God sent his son, the word, the life, the light to shine in the darkness. Right? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Right? The light shines, this present active tense still shines, continues to shine on and on in the darkness. And the darkness has not put it out. See, when Jesus walked this earth, mobs gathered to stone him, but he walked right through them. Why? Because the light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. When Jesus was unjustly nailed to the cross as a criminal... He forgave and, and saved a thief hanging on the cross next to him. Why? Because the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. After Jesus died on the cross, he was laid in the pitch-black darkness of a cold tomb. But even the darkness of death could not overcome him because he rose from the grave on Easter morning. Right? The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Jesus later ascended to heaven, and the world has been trying for 2,000 years to snuff out the light of Christ. And yet Jesus' light still shines all the brighter through the lives of his followers who are now more numerous and in more places around the world than ever before in history. Right? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so, in conclusion, on this Christmas Eve night, I have to ask you, you know, what about you? Do you know this Jesus? You know, what is your response to him, to to, to, to the life, to the light of the world? Will you trust him? Will you give your life to him? Will you receive his light and his life as a gift of God's grace, as the ultimate Christmas gift that you could never earn or ever deserve? Listen to his invitation, his promise in John 12, verse 46. Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Friends, you don't have to remain in darkness. I mean, what an invitation to all who will hear and who will come to Jesus. Jesus is light for life. Real life, true life, abundant life, eternal life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we confess whenever we read these verses in John 1, there is much that we cannot explain. There's even much we must be content to humbly to believe. And yet, Father, my prayer is that we would, that we would seek, we would seek to understand it more, understand it better. Father, may, may we not be content with 
wondering, asking ourselves night after night, year after year, is this all there is? May we not be content with the, the darkness that we, that we see in our own hearts when we look in the mirror and we try and we fail the, the millionth time to change in our own strength. Lord, may we run, may we run to Christ. May you forgive us, adopt us into your family, give us new hearts, give us a new life, make us new creations, may we be born again. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.